This is exactly right. Of my favorite murder, the Minnesota twenty twenty one. That's right. Here it is, and fucking deal with it. How are you? Uh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm rested. We're out of the darkness mm. and into mass confusion and just kind of general <laughs> pandemic disorganization. Yeah, but um, things feel definitely lighter and better. They do. They really. It's they nice. do. They do. Feels less dire, like less dire straits, you know? Oh, we should tell everybody. Yes. We have a little bit of exciting information because um, we know that you've all been tuning in and listening to the great true crime author, Kate Winkler Dawson, who has her podcast, Tenfold More Wicked, on the Exactly Right Network. Well, guess what? Season two is about to drop. That's fucking... It's it's dropping as we speak. As we speak right now. (laughs) Um, and it's a new season, season two. Uh, it's called The Body Snatcher. It's a really awesome season about it's a historical true crime story about the world's most famous grave robbers who've never actually robbed a grave. They just murdered people to get the cadavers and they're called Burke and Hare. It's an incredible story. And of course, Kate Winkler Dawson tells it so well because she is such a good storyteller and such an incredible historic uh, mind. So it's really fucking cool. So stick around um, to the end of this episode and you will hear the trailer for the brand new season of Tenfold More Wicked. The Body Snatchers. And now we're going to do the mini. So do you want to go first? Hey, sure. Let me go first. So this uh, story is called My Trucker Dad Thwarted My Kidnapping. Oh. And it starts, Welp, you asked for creepy trucker stories and have I got one for you? (laughs) And that's how you fucking start a letter. My dad was a cross-country truck driver for most of my life, traveling all over the country. As a guy who delighted in swapping various diesel engine information with good old boys over cheap, greasy food, he loved his job, but missed being at home as well. My sisters and I saw him on an average of once a month for our whole lives, but he always made sure that we knew we were his whole world. He loves telling stories about his time on the road, and I have countless to choose from, but I'll pick just one. So if this is too long, and then there's a bunch of emojis that I don't understand that I'm guessing mean, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) I don't know, square box, square box, female uh, sign, square box. Uh, This story happens when I was about four or five years old. During the summers, my sisters and I would take turns going with our dad in the truck for a week or two um, and as a way to spend more quality time together. It was my favorite part of the year, honestly. I got to travel all over the country, eat at every truck stop you could imagine, and most of all, have fun with my dad. When I was about four years old, I was with my dad one summer and he had some minor engine repairs to do on the truck. He pulled over at a small mom and pop type gas station, set me under a nearby tree with my doll and crawled out of the truck to get to work. As you can imagine, laying on the hot asphalt underneath a boiling hot engine, my dad suffered a heat stroke and passed out. Mm. 
Who knows how long he was out, but he came to suddenly with a blinding headache and looked over to where I sat under the tree, only to see a man creeping up behind me, arms outstretched, getting ready to snatch me up. It sounds oh like God. the swamp man, kind of, right? The cre- the creature from the br- the black. That's yeah. what I meant. Thank you very much, Karen, <laughs> who's who is into TMC classic movies on Friday nights, and I appreciate and that. your brain apparently. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> My dad quickly scrambled out from under the truck, red faced and sweaty, brandishing whatever tool was nearest, and started screaming like a madman. The guy ran off and my dad collapsed onto the ground. The little old lady working at the gas station heard the commotion and ran out to help. She took us inside and watched over me while my dad got some much needed medical attention. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine what would have happened if he hadn't woken up when he did. And I'm always grateful that he was able to muster up the last bit of energy he had to save my life. For real. I have countless other creepy trucking stories that my dad has told me over the years, like the time he witnessed a murder in the middle of the night to one of his buddies while they were driving down the road. But that's another email for another day. Wow. Uh, Love you guys. Thanks for helping keep my spirits up during this batshit crazy year. Stay sexy and stay hydrated. Heat strokes are no joke. Kathleen. Very true, Kathleen. Kathleen, great job. Kathleen's dad, great job. That's right. The idea that he passed out from a heat stroke, but had like parent ESP to come to knowing his child was in danger. That's like proof there's ESP. That and like, and like only seeing your kids once a month, which is, I think, a necessity in a lot of careers, but making sure that your kids have special memories of you and like special moments in their childhood, despite really not living with you that much, I think is a lovely thing. Don't you think? Oh, you're saying because the dad as a long haul trucker wasn't around that much? Well, she said he came around once a month, but always made sure that he, that they knew he was, you know, pivotal. (laughs) Sorry, I I didn't really focus on that point. Uh, And I was like, what is this specific thing she's trying to give props to? I have real problems because Marty every other weekend was not enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like, oh, maybe it's even a stronger bond because they they yeah. look forward to being around you and they have all their... Maybe the mom is pissed stuff. the fuck off that she has to discipline them every fucking day and the dad gets to come around once a month and have well, that's fun. That's definitely true. That's, yeah, that's, that's, more Mar- that's more Marty and Janet than, than this is. That's, I think, all divorced parents <laughs> where the mom had... I mean, the moms do all the work. They're the bad guy. And right. then dad comes and buys you, you know, your favorite toy. And Absolutely. It's like, right? Yeah. Yep. I, I know nothing of it. My parents were happily married <laughs> for about 50 years. Okay. Sorry, but in your face. <laughs> Why would oh I do that? Oh, my God. Don't make me spit this fucking wine out. This is good wine. <laughs> Right on the microphone. Did you just in my face about my childhood? I, I just in your face about perhaps one of the more painful things in your life. Why would I do that? That's fucked up. I'm sorry. I apologize to you, No, Georgia. this is why we're friends. <laughs> Are you crying? No, I'm laughing my fucking ass off. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's <sighs> fucked up. Okay. No, sorry. So no, I love it. Sorry. I love it, I love it. Keeping us on our toes. Okay. Here's my first email. <laughs> uh, Georgia and Karen, you asked for stories about picking up hitchhikers and instantly regretting it. <laughs> Do you remember always. doing that? Uh, no, but that sounds like a theme. <laughs> but I mean, sure. Do it always. Um, I have never told this story to anyone. When I was very young, when I was a very young, very naive teenager in the suburbs of Massachusetts, I was driving home in the middle of the day when a young kid came flying out of the wealthiest neighborhood and flagged me down. He was about my age and looked genuinely distressed. So I assumed he was from my high school. He got in and he asked for a ride to the nearby train station. Since it was only about a 10 minute drive, I said, sure. As we exchanged small talk, it dawned on me that I had never seen this person in my life. Oh. I felt the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I was suddenly so aware that I was alone in an enclosed space with a total stranger. Mm. He sensed my nervousness and laughed. Don't worry. If I was going to rape you, I would have done it already. <gasps> that did it. I stopped the car and said, get out of here. <laughs> he started to protest. I don't remember what came out of my mouth next, but I've never spoke, spoken that way to anyone ever. And luckily I hadn't had two cents. The only thing I do remember is my hand reaching for the CD holder above my head, prepared to shatter one to use as a weapon. Yes, if necessary. do it. Luckily. Luckily, my cursing and yelling scared him off and he finally got out of my car. I drove away shakily and never told a soul because <gasps> that one was on me. Uh. Thanks for reading. And just so you know that as and just know that as an adult who spent almost a decade in New York City and listened to five years of this podcast, I know better now. Oh, dude, we all do. No name. We all we all do. We all we did all. it. Don't be embarrassed. Tell your friends, you know, laugh about it and they'll have similar stories. And also, here's what I love. She said, uh, get out now. And that's it wasn't a question. It yeah. wasn't just see what his response was. Yeah. She said it and she backed it up. And uh, yeah, well, he knew up. he knew there was no arguing. He knew there was no chill. And, you know, chill out. You know, you're yeah, being crazy. Out, Give me this ride. And you know what else he learned that day? That's not a joke. <laughs> I love <laughs> he it. He learned in a way that is very important. That's not a joke. That was I love that story. That's that's the that's the coming of age understanding story that we made a big mistake at one point. We all fucking did. I wrote about it in the book when I took my top off for a quote unquote photo professional photographer in fucking seclusion and was like, yep. wow, let's not get ourselves in this situation ever again. Right. And it yep. was the first time I've ever fucking talked about it was in the book. Yeah. This one's called The Day the FBI Raided My Job for a Crime I Predicted. Oh, it just starts. I have a reputation for having the best luck with getting magical, interesting jobs. When I was in high school, I worked as an assistant in research and development for Maytag and literally got paid to write down numbers my uncle said out loud after we flooded blew up or dropped washing machines from the third story of the building. <laughs> yes. So you already win. To this day, I don't think the numbers meant a damn thing. <laughs> or when I randomly moved to Nashville and quickly got a job as the receptionist at a vinyl pressing production plant. And on my second day, shadowed someone giving a tour of the plant to Radiohead. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. 
But one of my favorite jobs ever was working as a movie theater projectionist. This was right after college and right after the switch to digital. So I just whizzed around in a rolly chair (laughs) programming a supercomputer in the evenings before nestling down in a theater with a last of the day's popcorn and screen the films with my best friend slash roommate, Rana. Raina. That is a dream job, though. There's nothing oh. like... I, I also worked in a movie theater the when I was 19. You have it to. Was my favorite. Asher yeah, the Usher, my brother. Asher the Usher. <laughs> it's the uh, best. Who also worked there as a projectionist. So we mostly worked on an island from the rest of the operations. Because projectionists to me were like the big guns. Like you didn't they were fuck okay. with them. No, no. They were like scientists. Totally. They were totally. Like, we were just down there selling dots and like eat- I was just right. down there secretly eating a box of dots all day long. But like the projectionist came and you were just like, is hey. he a vampire? Empire? Is he the smartest man in the world? Right. Who is he? Does he make the movie? I don't know. <laughs> I'm in Irvine. Is that David Lynch? I love him. I'm in love with him. Okay. At the at the theater, there were plenty of high school kids who started there when they were 14 and had worked their way up to the shiny and distinguished po- position of shift supervisor. And then there's uh, diamond emojis happening. I just think that's important to know. Uh, one such <laughs> shift per- supervisor is, is fancy. It's fancy. Yeah. Okay. It's like, oh my uh, God. You know, when you were like 14, you're like, they're the manager. And you're like, oh, I better be cool to them. And they're like a 16 year old. That's weirdo. right. Yeah. They set the hours. That's right. So they what- can find my box of dots. Okay. Sorry. That's just <laughs> no, keep thing. going. Let's talk about dots. Uh, one such person was Michael, who relished his power over his friends slash roommates. <laughs> And was mostly known among staff as a supervisor who would sneak expired concession stand food out of the back of the building in trash bags with the leftover yep. popcorn. Told you. Is that you? <laughs> no, no, no. I just ate the one box of dots. Okay, got it, got it. So these guys were, they, they were like a heist compared to you. Yeah. Ex- well, it was expired food. It's, so it's a heist where there's no treasure. The next line says expired hot dogs, jalapeno <laughs> poppers and mozzarella sticks were crowding the freezers of everyone who worked there, including ours. <laughs> remember, remember when you had to shop at John's and buy the lowest level value meat. They were so excited to be eating expired mozzarella sticks instead of top ramen for one week. It was just like, thank God this finally happened. After I had been there for a year or so, Michael announced that he had gotten a new job as a bank teller and dramatically gave us two weeks notice. I turned to Rana, Raina, Raina, and said, for sure that bank is getting robbed. Oh, <laughs> fast forward to six months later when I walked into work and found three FBI agents standing in the lobby. Yes. They were there to talk uh, to Michael's roommates and girlfriend. <laughs> Michael had been found that morning tied to a chair at the bank with only a bloody nose after having been, quote, kidnapped mm-hmm. and forced to empty an ATM. Turns out the man who had appeared on the bank's security cameras in a mask leading Michael around and it says with no weapon was his roommate Brendan and the $17,000 they stole was found in a few trash bags. <laughs> Wait, hold it. Along with day old popcorn <laughs> in the trunk of Brendan's car in the theater parking lot. Okay. You know what this says to me? <laughs> P-O-T spells stoners. What's that? P- oh, Come pot. On. Pot? Pot smells stoners. Got it. it- 
Yes. All told, there were four guys who masterminded the quote heist and all, and they all spent some time in jail and were fined $250,000 each. Oh, shit. Uh, stay sexy and don't eat expired hot dogs. <laughs> Megan. <laughs> Megan. Yes. Classic. Epic. Classic, epic hometown. If I had walked into the movie theater and I saw three FBI agents, I'd be like, they fucking found out about the dots. <laughs> they know what I'm doing. Karen and the dots. That's your fucking band name. Right they there. <laughs> oh, my God. That's good. I love that. It, it like it also happened almost immediately after yeah. he left. And he she was, was like, just, that bank's getting rough. Like, why would who would hire who, who hired him? You know, as as old Jim Kilgariff likes to say, there's certain people who can't keep their hands out of the till. And it sounds like that guy was Jim Kilgariff. That's a great. I want to know who he thinks that is. I bet he thinks it's me. He's (laughs) (laughs) no, no. He's just saying in general, you know, you hear about certain people that can't handle it. Like there's there's I just saw a thing the other day on Twitter. It was about a woman who embezzled like, you know, some huge amount of money from a children's charity and it it just happens all the time where it's like they put themselves in the position to be in charge of money and right. they can't can not you imagine money. the audacity of thinking that you're smarter than the fucking company you work for and no one's going to find out right like we're the kind of people who walk into a store where we're going to buy something and are terrified someone's going to think we're shoplifting Always. Even though we have no intention of shoplifting. A little bit. Yeah. And well, you know, the, the idea runs through our head. If you get, if you so. get a shot, you know, <laughs> you never know. You're not hurting anyone. <laughs> All right. Go. Um, okay. The subject line of this letter is Lizzie Borden Treasure. Ooh. Hey, y'all. I just finished your live episode where Karen covers the story of Lizzie Borden and I knew I had to write in. I grew up in Arizona, but all my extended family lives on the East Coast. That means I have a ton of aunts, uncles, and cousins I only hear about occasionally on holidays. Mm. Your insert unrecognizable name of family member just had her gallbladder (laughs) removed. Etc. So imagine my surprise when last Christmas I saw a gift under the tree from my Aunt Louise in Rhode Island. Louise. My Aunt Louise married my mom's brother, so we aren't related by blood, but I'd heard some casual conversations about her and my uncle while I was growing up. I looked at my mom questioningly, and she responded that Christmas morning mom smirk that only meant you were about to open something good. Mm. I don't think I've ever been more in shock when opening a present before. My Aunt Louise had <laughs> sent me... Wait for it. Authentic 1890s lace cuffs straight from Lizzie Borden's house. What? Lace cuffs. I had known for a few years that my Aunt Louise is related by blood to (gasps) Lizzie Borden. Louise's mom was a Borden. Um, My mom had always said that my uncle joked about not letting her near sharp utensils just in case. (laughs) Apparently, my mom had called her to ask if she could sign a book about Lizzie Borden to give me for Christmas. And my aunt had responded, Mm. just a book. Do you think she'd like something even better? Oh, she won up the shit out of you. Aunt Louise Aunt is Louise not really is told like, how to give a gift. What, bitch? Aunt Louise <laughs> Dash Borden is not going ooh, ooh, to ooh. take direction. Ooh. She sent the handmade cuffs across the country for me to have. 
I called my aunt pretty immediately after opening them to gush and say thank you approximately 1,000 times. My aunt said that her side of the family has possession over all types of clothing, furniture, and even documents from the Borden house before it was turned into a bed and breakfast slash museum. Um, it's actually for it's I, recently for sale. Exactly right offices for the when the pandemic's <laughs> over. Yes or no. Stephen's clapping. Also, the La Bianca house here in fucking Los Feliz is for sale. I feel like we have dueling coasts. Terrifying. Yeah. How, terrifying dueling coasts. I mean, I just feel like we should keep it local. It's easier for everybody sure, to sure, not sure. move to Rhode Island in the middle of pandemic. But we can discuss it at the next. Yes, afternoon. you're right. This is an inappropriate. I'm sorry. Yes, this is an this is an appropriate and possibly actionable conversation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm, after we talked about all the history and details, I finally asked her, "Do you think she did it?" And she answered pretty casually, "Honey, we all do." <laughs> Aunt Louise. <laughs> I live in Austin, Texas now, and thankfully my roommate is also a listener and a murderino and agreed to hang the cuffs at the entryway of our apartment as the ultimate conversation. (laughs) Hey, do you want to hook up? But quickly, just know I'm descended from. I don't know if, if you care about murder or not, but this happened. Yeah. Get into my room. Right. I'll keep you guys updated if we get a ghost. Please. Fingers crossed. Please. <laughs> Stay sexy and keep in touch with that distant aunt. You never know if she's related to an axe murderer, Mallory. Mal. Oh, that's a good name. Yeah, it's a great name. Karen, do you have those married into cousins and aunts or uncles that uh, you've known your whole life? They, they didn't marry a new they're not your blood relative but you fuck but you fucking like like you gravitate towards them at parties yes remember i actually ran yes. into one <laughs> on the street in santa barbara that's right it was so out of context yes. because i only ever see her at thanksgiving or christmas at my aunt joe's house yeah that when we ran into each other she was like karen i'm like, your fucking karen. And, and i, I remember like, that and i was in that weird mode of like hi, hi. nice to meet like phony we had mode, just done a like, three hour karen. meet and greet so your face you were and i saw your face and i was like oh i've never seen it karen like this before so embarrassing it, it was so like it was like i was pretending yeah like pretending yeah oh, hi. she's like, like oh Oh my god and you can you couldn't fix it after that either you can be like no i i have a cousin donna who was like married to like our the fucking like crowning king of cousins jeff and donna was like the the queen and they divorced but she was she donna schwartz was is a queen and every time you go to a party like a hanukkah party no matter how old you were you're like donna can i just be in a fucking room with you and hang out with she was southern and not jewish so she was just like Uh, loud and drunk and she was like the most fun yes i miss donna Uh, um i love that i love that and yolanda my fucking sister-in-law it's like oh yeah she's great that cousin or that person that you're like you're not one of us can i fucking please talk to you yeah there's a word we have because I have 28 cousins, we actually have lots of these. <laughs> yeah. Like the first, you know, the yeah. first person, it's like Deirdre and Eileen. Right. There's, you know, but you're also like, so I, I've known you since I was a child. You're my cousin as much as this other person. I don't give a shit if we have blood involved. Sure. In fact, that's a fucking it's negative to that. you. It's a negative. In my family, it's not a plus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was a great, that was a great story. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like, perfectly scrambled eggs oh my god yes karen and then all i want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day well you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient 
Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that 
fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Okay. I have one more email to read. Um, and this actually, so this is from, um, a Reddit thread. I found out about this, um, because a Reddit thread, um, got posted on Twitter. And, um, so a bunch of murderinos let us know mm-hmm. that this person was writing in and they were trying to, um, get heard. But of course, our Gmail is, uh, chock full and no one had read this email so we got the heads up and we went in and found it and actually i began to email with this person and had a good conversation with them and so they sent this email and before i get started i just want to give a trigger warning this is a very um intense letter um so people uh if you're sensitive to uh sexual assault stories you're not going to want to listen to this a few months ago, a coworker turned me towards M- the MFM podcast because a story was told about me. Spoiler alert, I wasn't murdered. For reference, it was episode 92 in October of 2017. I actually wrote to you once before and indicated that I didn't want anything more published, that I just wanted to set the record straight. But I've had a few months to sit on this and some time to bounce it off my therapist. And I've decided that I do want to tell my story. It was so crazy to hear my worst nightmare told on a podcast. It felt like a violation. So much of this has felt like something that happened to me. And I want to control this part of the narrative. I want my real story told by me with my consent. On January 8th, 2017, I was working as a medical legal death investigator and forensic autopsy tech. I was working a swing shift alone. The building we were in at the time was old and decrepit. The building was not connected to any hospital, though it did house the county morgue. The upstairs part of the building was primarily offices, and the basement was the autopsy suite and body cooler. That night, the region was experiencing widespread flooding due to rain melting the snowpack. Law enforcement resources were stretched thin, and the old building was leaking and threatening to flood. The county had made press releases that county facilities would be closed the next day. In addition to scene investigations, part of my duties were to process cases for autopsy the next morning. Traditionally, I would do all of my writing and follow up from my cubicle upstairs and save the hands-on processing until the very end of my shift. I would rather process three bodies in a row all at once versus go downstairs three times during my shift. Even after years of working with the deceased, the downstairs creeped me out. While I was upstairs writing a report, my computer keyboard malfunctioned. I spent some time fiddling with it, but ultimately decided to go downstairs to an abandoned office turned storage room to get a replacement. Normally, I wouldn't have gone downstairs for another 45 minutes or so, but I couldn't finish my report without a keyboard. I was in the office storage room with my back to the door. When I turned around, there was a man leaning on the doorframe. He was wearing a scary clown mask. He was calm and cocky, and he told me, you're early. He knew my routine. I was kind of frozen for a second. He rushed toward me, and I swung the keyboard at him like a baseball bat. 
To this day, I can see some of the keys flying off in slow motion. He pushed me against a bookcase hard. My vision went white. I think my bell got rung pretty good because there's a couple seconds I can't account for. He had my right hand pinned up near my head. He grabbed at my skirt and ripped it. I thought he was trying to pull off my lanyard that had a key card and physical keys to the building. I tried to hit him, but I couldn't get any leverage. He was so close to me. Nothing I did got any response until I tried to pull the mask off. That's when he pulled the knife. He rubbed the knife over my face. He cut my cheek and showed me my blood on the blade. He called me a whore. He told me to undress, and when I refused, he put the knife under my collarbone right at the subclavian artery and told me he would paint the walls red. He raped me. When I yelled and begged him to stop, he laughed and asked who was supposed to hear me scream. He stopped and told me to get on my knees. For the first time, he didn't have the knife to my chest or throat. I didn't think about it. I grabbed the knife by the blade and ran. Running up the stairs, I kept feeling something weird on the handrail. It turns out it wasn't the handrail that was weird, it was my hand. I started to run outside, but realized I didn't know where he was. Our old building was like a maze. I started to go to my desk, but stopped and hid under another investigator's desk. I couldn't find my cell phone, and I called 911 from the desk phone. It took a couple of tries, having to remember to dial 99 before dialing out. I vividly remember hiding under the desk, trying to whisper to the dispatcher and watching the blood run down my fingers and pool on the ground. Our building was supposed to be secure and the responding police officers had no way to gain entry. I had to leave the desk and walk through two doors and a hallway to let them in. The whole time I was expecting him to pop out, but he didn't. It took law enforcement a while to clear the building. They didn't have keys, were unfamiliar with the maze-like layout and had to search every body bag. The man in the clown mask wasn't found. I was released from the ER several hours later. My supervisor drove me home, but we first had to go back to the building to collect my wallet and keys. It was dreamlike. Seeing the red and blue lights illuminate the area. Officers and deputies patrolling in pairs in the pouring rain reminded me of a scene from a movie. After the scene was processed, my coworkers cleaned my blood from the office, stairs, desk, doors, and wall. An email went out to the majority of the staff telling them not to report until 0800 hours. When my coworkers, who are also my partners and best friends, went downstairs to prepare everything for autopsy, they found evidence that he had been waiting for me in the autopsy suite. Mm. Arranged on the back of an evidence cart next to an exam table were long strips of red duct tape. Two long pieces, two shorter pieces. The red duct tape was dog-eared, which is never done with evidence. As it was described to me, they were ready for someone at the floor level to be able to easily grab, ready to go. Mm. If I had been going down to process bodies in my usual routine, I would have walked backwards, pulling a gurney to that exact spot. No arrest has ever been made. The only DNA that was recovered from my clothing wound up belonging to my infant son from where I had held him before going to work. The investigation of my case was transferred from one jurisdiction to another as the attack happened in a county building. This resulted in twice as many law enforcement officers being involved in various ways. The detectives investigating my case forgot to flag it as confidential, resulting in an unknown number of deputies reading details of my case. One deputy shared details of my case on a hookup app. One high-ranking officer... 
One high-ranking officer shared the details with their family, and that is how it came to you in the first place. That night turned my world upside down. I moved, changed cars, my kids changed schools, and I ultimately resigned. The new facility that we moved into a month later is state-of-the-art, with cameras, alarms, and ballistics glass, but I was never again comfortable being alone in the morgue at night. I will always have to live with the knowledge that someone very smart, collected, and comfortable in a morgue is still out there. We know that he had been in the building at least twice before and likely once after. I don't know what exactly he had planned, but I'm thankful for a random faulty keyboard spacebar. I'm okay. It took a while of not being okay to be where I am now. I wanted to write to you because I think sometimes the person part of your stories gets overlooked. I found and reached out to the person who initially shared my story, but I think I freaked them out. Perhaps they were concerned that I was the perpetrator. Oops. If you have any questions about details or you need clarification, I'm happy to unscramble this. Thank you for your time. So. Wow. So we told a story that was um, third hand and not the person's story to tell. I don't think that the person who wrote in had malicious intent. But I think this is a very good lesson for all of us um, when we think about uh, what we're doing and how we're talking and who we're talking about. So our apologies to you um, who had to hear her story on a podcast. That's the last thing that we want to happen. And that's, you know, that's just that's not what we're trying to do. And it's not what it's about. And we should have thought it through. And we're going to try our best um, to keep aware of this and to keep you in mind so that we avoid mistakes like this in the future. And so George and I have decided um, that we're going to donate $10,000 to the Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network, Rain, And we thank you for your understanding and for writing in and communicating with me and letting us retell your story the way you wanted it told. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? Susan, how do you want to be introduced? You can just use my first name, uh, if, if you don't mind. And tell me, you know, what, what your trepidation just is in general. Why I would hate for any member of our family to have something bad happen just because we were unfortunately related to um, a, a serial killer. Susan's worried about this podcast. Even though her great-great-great-uncle died almost 200 years ago. This is season two of Tenfold More Wicked on Exactly Right. I call this story The Body Snatcher. 19th century Scotland, 16 helpless victims killed using a brilliant method. Two ruthless murderers, but only one had a conscience. And one ambitious doctor, Dr. Robert Knox, who pioneered modern medicine in the laboratory Students fought to get into his classroom because he had fresh bodies for them to dissect. You don't have to make it more gory. It's already two people that are killing people for money. It's gory enough. This season is about discrediting myths. You've got no idea who's telling the truth. I mean, he was a doctor. He must know that many people just don't die. It's about betrayal. 
There's only one particular person who has a vendetta against Knox at that point. He seems to have been the only corpse who had known that he was about to be murdered. It's about why William Burke and William Hare still matter. They would have just gone into a grave and rotted away. Because they were taken to Knox, they trained thousands of surgeons on them. And how this story ends shocked everyone in 19th century Europe. It even shocks me now. These bodies have been had here probably a little over a year. And so they're almost all skeletonized. It's quite shocking when you find out that there's a mass murderer in your family tree. And we literally have a skeleton in the closet. But ultimately, it's about a family that just wants answers about the killer in their past. So he had to have known that that's who was in the tea chest. Right. They lied. Wow. Wow. I never heard anything about this. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, and this is season two of Tenfold More Wicked, a podcast about the world's most famous grave robbers who never actually robbed a grave. Season two of Tenfold More Wicked is now available on Exactly Right. Subscribe now on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen.